A lot of church websites, well, they're just not that great. That's what we're talking about on today's episode of Church Media HQ. Now let's talk about what I call the less effective pages. These are common church website pages that actually, in most cases, provide little value to the website visitor. If they're included on your site, they need to be included in a less obvious location. Uh, they, I, I like to put them in a place that I like to call the junk drawer, which is that footer menu at the very bottom of your website. And so here's a few like uh, that, that I think fit that, kind of fit that mold. They're less important. They shouldn't be there. Some of you may not like what I have to say here, but hey, who cares? Church history. While this is going to become more valuable to someone, the more connected they get with your church, people new to your church or website, they really don't care how old your church is and how many pastors it's had or how it started. Uh, And so while having a church history page isn't completely off limits, uh, it is something that you want to, um, if you add it, you want to make it something that you just just minimize, you don't make a huge deal of it. It's a great candidate for that uh, lower, um, if you will, that that footer menu, that junk drawer. And I, I personally wouldn't put a lot of effort into the development of your church history page. Maybe just a couple of, uh, you know, if, if this might be where you do have a couple paragraphs, just kind of with the story of your church, and that's kind of it. Uh, the next thing, uh, the statement of faith. Yeah, I, I kind of already touched on this, uh, but I think it's worth mentioning again. Uh, just stick to your core values and beliefs. Um, Avoid the doctrinal dissertation. Um, If you can't let this go, then again, um, if you want to include that full statement of faith, then yeah, just a small PDF link uh, download. Or uh, maybe you just say, hey, if you want it, you can request it. You know, it can be something that people request from you and you send it to them uh, when they ask for it. Uh, The next thing, and this is where it's going to really get into some controversy if we haven't yet, uh, the calendar of events. So, you say, well, wait, what? Calendar of events. This is usually a big part of church websites. I know. I know. I've designed websites for churches that have asked me to make this a dominant part of their website. Okay. And in that case, sure. I mean, I, I'm, I let you know what I think, but I'm going to, you know, I do what they say. Uh, but when it comes to the calendar events, the vast majority of people, whether they are new or already connected with your church, are only concerned with the next few events. So including a calendar on your website is actually sharing too much information. Um, It's best to consolidate these upcoming events to your connect page. Call them back to that connect connect page and only display the next five to six calendar items that are happening. And depending on the size and programming of your church, uh, only the next four to six weeks of events really need to be included. Now, I know, again, a controversial statement here talking about how we need to get rid of the events calendar on your page. Now, I don't think if you still want to have it, kind of like that statement of faith, kind of, you know, like uh, the other, uh, the church history, this is something that you're going to include on this bottom footer menu. Okay, so a calendar 
of events, uh, or a link to a calendar. And I, again, I wouldn't put much effort into this. In fact, if you're just using Google Calendar or Outlook or, or something like that as your calendar, just link directly to the public version of those pages. Yeah, those pages aren't always very pretty, but again, this isn't the idea is that this is not a big driving force for your website and for people visiting your website. It's just not. It's only going to be for people who are, um, you know, again, for people who are already connected with your church and might want to look at a calendar. Um, so here, I, I just want to emphasize this though. The next four to six weeks is probably all that matters. Uh, this is a study, uh, and it was done in relation to like family vacations, but I think it's very applicable to churches because the truth is, is that a vacation's a lot. Okay. So, I mean, you've got to plan, uh, you got to potentially book flights and, and hotels. Uh, and obviously there's a lot of cost to that. I mean, a lot of, a lot of planning that goes into it. Um, a lot more than just simply planning to go to a church event. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, like I said, logistics, if you will, involved with that. Uh, so I think the principle remains the same. Uh, a study found that 60% of Americans, they only plan for what they consider must do events. Uh, so this might be, um, you know, for some, it might be obviously, uh, uh, work related engagements, uh, their, uh, maybe dentist appointments, doctor's appointments. Um, you know, if they got kids, kids, soccer games, these things that, Hey, they think they're important. They, they can't miss. And then 48%. So just, just under half of employees, uh, plan their vacations less than six weeks out. Uh, and that, but what we're talking about, that, that's the high end of it. The, the other 52%, most of them are doing it less than that. <laughs> Only 48% are actually planning their vacations, uh, this, that any less, uh, or yeah, that are in that less than six weeks out, uh, or, or I'm sorry, six weeks out or more totally butchered that stat there, but I think you get the point. Uh, that is, so what we're seeing then is that only half of people are truly doing some type of advanced planning for any, for things such as, such as uh, high level, if you will. And, and that requires much attention and finance and planning as a vacation. And so that gives us a pretty good idea that people aren't uh, planning ahead super far when it comes to their church attendance, uh, if they're going to attend a church, a particular church event. So all of this to say, you don't need to feel like you need to include the whole next year or even the next six months, uh, the next four to six weeks being featured on that. And again, in the connect page of your website is the perfect place to do this, uh, is featuring it there. And again, if you really, really feel like you got to include that calendar, Make it a link. That's what this beautiful footer menu is for, to throw all the junk that doesn't matter to most people. The next thing is uh, coming back to talking about ministries a little bit. Now, we have talked about particular ministries like kids ministry and, and potentially student ministry, young adult ministry that might need to be have its own dedicated landing page. But to getting, dedicating a page or multiple pages to showcase your ministry isn't always the best way to present these connection opportunities. Like we said before, a lot of times for these smaller ministries or, or whatever, things that aren't particularly related to maybe kids or students, uh, well, those can tend to be um, there are pages that it's like, well, I, I, we, we put some work in developing them and designing them and well, they're not getting visited very often because they just don't hold a lot of value for most people. So again, this comes back to the connect page. It should effectively present these ministries that people may want to get involved with. And, and then also on the next steps and serving page, uh, this is going to give them the chance to inquire about serving in a ministry. I, I 
can't emphasize this connect page enough because all the, the conventional way has been, well, we're going to have a page for events. We're going to have a page for ministries. Uh, we're going to have a page uh, for, um, you know, uh, uh, another page that's dedicated to maybe, uh, like I said, events and ministries and maybe signups or, or something like that. I mean, I, I've seen these things broken up into three, four, and five different pages. And Connect Page consolidates, all into, uh, consolidates it all into one location. So that way, when people are, um, when people are looking for how to get involved, because really, all that stuff we t- mentioned, events, uh, activities, groups, uh, that's the other page that's off in there, a, small, a dedicated small groups page, uh, small groups, events, um, ministries, all this. All this is really just a way for people to get connected. And so having it there on that connect page gives people one common hub that they can go to and that they can find the way to get further connected. Now, the next section to discuss is bells and whistles. These are website features that are only effective when they are done with excellence. And unfortunately, uh, if you're going to do them, it's going to require a good bit of talent, time, resource, uh, if you do want to do them the right way. And so that's why you need to understand the commitment required to these features before you implement them. The first is a blog. Now, there's really no additional cost or technical knowledge involved with a blog. Most Website platforms out there offer blogging as just some type of feature. In fact, if you're using WordPress, which is probably the most common CMS out there if you're kind of doing it yourself, uh, they, they originally are a blogging platform. So that's still a huge part of what they do. Um, but it's not about the technical side of it. Uh, blogging the right way uh, requires time, uh, planning, and content development. Uh, you don't need to start a blog if you're not committed to regularly posting quality content. Um, I, I firmly believe that no having no blog is better than having a blog that's been dormant or one that's just posting fluff. And I've seen both. I've seen people start blogs and they're, they're really good about it for the first few weeks. Uh, and then it just kind of dies. And then I've seen people, uh, I'm even thinking of, of somewhat popular blogs out there that honestly, to me, they seem like a bunch of fluff. It seems like something that the blogger feels that they have to keep up with because it's something they committed to. And so they're just putting up a bunch of content just for sake of having content. I do believe that you can find quality in the quantity. Uh, but again, it's just finding this right balance of getting content out there that provides people value. And particularly if you're blogging about content relevant to your church and to the spiritual needs of people, you definitely want to keep that something that's less fluff. Here's my advice to people that want to start really not just a blog, but any type of outlet that's going to produce regular content. We've been having, we've had a podcast now for uh, over three years, uh, putting out uh, and then managing a YouTube channel on top of that uh, for about two years. And so putting out regular content is part of what I do. I'm not a big blogger, uh, but I do put out uh, you know content by way of uh, audio podcast and video uh, weekly. And so I've had people ask me, well, hey, what, what would you do to start this content outlet? And my advice is always the same. Uh, first is this, do not... Uh, do not start something. Do not release, if you will, your first episode or your first blog post until uh, you have already written or developed or recorded the next three. 
So in other words, never drop that first episode. Uh, never post that first blog post until you've got the, the subsequent three or more that come after it already developed. You say, oh man, that seems like a big time commitment and a big commitment. Yeah, because it's going to help you understand as you start out the commitment that's going to be required if you're going to maintain and upkeep this. Uh, so as always my advice. And then even after you get past those first uh, initial, I should say, uh, three episodes, I say never post, never post your content until you know, at least know and have planned what you're doing for the following 30 days. That is so important. And it's going to make sure that you can keep up that content. Now, you're preaching a sermon. Well, obviously, you know that, hey, I'm going to have a sermon pretty much every week. And so you can keep up that type of a podcast. But if you're going to add the supplemental content, and I talked about the supplemental content added to the podcast, I really encourage you to do that. Maybe add that as a part of your church's podcast, but don't go into it just you know, making it up as you go, flying by the seat of your pants. Have a plan. And again, have those next 30 days. And I really encourage you, those first uh, three or so pieces of content ready to go when you go to drop your very first episode, or in this case, blog post. The other thing that I advise is if you're looking to start and it feels overwhelming, understand that you, while you don't have to drop a daily, uh, daily content, and there are daily bloggers, there's daily podcasts out there that are dropping new episodes every day, new content every day. Uh, that's a huge commitment. So while you don't have to do something daily or even weekly, uh, I, I would, you have to at least do something monthly. And I think that's a great place to start. That's where this podcast started. We started doing just monthly episodes and after a few months, it grew to twice a month and then once a week and now twice a week. And so uh, you're, you're going to find that the more you get in a rhythm and in a groove, if you will, of how to do it, you're able to produce more content. Uh, and so, but starting at once a month, I think is great. And think about this. If you just sit down and you write, because there's a lot of stages of, of content development in general, whether it's blogging or again, podcasting, whatever it may be. You have to develop or develop slash write the content. You have to produce the content. In this case, uh, uh, you know, record the content with a podcast. If it's written only, well, you have to go through and edit it and make sure it's all pretty and good and, and presentable for your website. And then there's actual publishing. So there's these, these different stages. And um, think about this, like with written content, if you can just find, uh, maybe take a morning, uh, maybe it doesn't even take that long, but maybe just take like half a day and just write up whatever your thought is, whatever blog content you've got on your mind, write it up. Uh, and then think about this. What you might find is that, well, hey, this doesn't have to be all one blog post. I can take this and I can release it over the course of the next few weeks or months. I can divide it up. Well, then all of your content development is done. So that's the next recommendation. It's batching. You want to batch that content. You can find it because it's a lot easier to dedicate maybe one day a month to develop content. Uh, and then if you're doing a monthly podcast, well, or a, I say podcast or a monthly blog, well, then you can develop that content and then you could start to push it out. Uh, if it's once a month, oh man, you could get ahead for six months. Batching is huge. That's how I've recorded the episodes you're watching right now. I sat down one afternoon, this particular afternoon, and I just recorded all of the content. Now, for those of you who have uh, gone and accessed the full teaching, uh, great, uh, and you've enjoyed it in full, and, and you're kind of able to, to listen to it on demand. And then for those of you who have not done that, then we've just released this as different episodes uh, over the past few weeks. And that 
that is the best way to develop content and to release content that requires regular commitment. And a blog is one of those. So bells and whistles, a blog. The next is live stream. Now we've done full episodes, series of episodes about live stream. And so I don't want to dive into this too deep, but it is worth mentioning. Uh, very few churches are doing true live stream with excellence. Uh, but uh, live streaming uh, now more than ever has uh, been made really easy to do uh, through many social media platforms. So Facebook actually does. YouTube actually does. They make it really easy to live stream. Um, and, uh, and so because of that, churches are, are using these platforms to live stream. But here is the truth about live stream. It's not benefiting your church nearly as much as you think. Uh, in fact, it could actually be making a bad impression on those outside of your church. Uh, there's too much, again, to explore here. And uh, again, we've got past episodes we've done about our philosophy on church online. Uh, but here's the main thought here. Presenting a quality live stream of your service requires significant investment in cameras and equipment, as well as resources like internet bandwidth. Doing it the right way is not as simple as just pressing go live in your Facebook app. Um, High Blue, they're a European business uh, that specializes in streaming services. Um, they estimate that a professional live stream setup can cost uh, no less to do it right than $7,000. Now, there's a lot of different shortcuts and things and ways, and I have seen things, but, but this is a company that does it professionally. Say, if you want to do it in a right way, that is actually going to... Uh, make a good impression, uh, then $7,000 is what you can expect to, to spend. So here's my recommendation. The first, uh, you focus first on audio. Uh, again, audio is really up and coming uh, when you think of the, the podcast, people who are listening to podcasts. Uh, and it's very feasible to produce a quality audio recording of your sermon and distribute them on your website and podcasting platforms. Recording audio, you're very likely already set up to do that if you've got any type of PA system at your church. So just recording that audio, that audio file, audio files are much smaller than video files. So taking that and uploading that to a platform like Anchor and distributing it there is great because that quality audio is so important. And it's, it, it is so important to the point to where if it's all you have, then you're better off than having uh, some type of quality or than having some type of quality video with bad audio uh, or vice versa. Quality audio is king here when it comes to the production. That's why we focus so much on audio here. We've got this microphone right here in my face and I've got a backup microphone there. And uh, this is something that is because it's so important to get that quality audio. So focus first on audio. Now, after you've mastered audio, you've got consistently good sounding audio. Now you can consider into investing into a basic camera setup for recording only. So we're going to record and then we're going to upload afterwards. If you want, uh, you can use the premiere feature of YouTube, Facebook, uh, that they both offer a similar feature that creates a live broadcast experience, but you're not actually live streaming. I've also talked about the church online platform before. This is something that's completely free to use, developed by uh, the team at Life Church. You can access it at online.church. Um, it's a completely free platform that allows you to uh, do simulated live services. It's really great. I won't go into all the details of it there. But what I'm saying is it's possible to make pre-recorded content seem live. And that needs to take priority before you actually do go live. 
So if you do get to the point though, where you've learned to do the audio and the video recording with excellence, consistency, then and only then do you really need to move into live streaming your services. Um, but I will say this, you might find that uploading and uh, uploading the recorded video of your service is going to be, and, and doing some type of simulated live experience is going to be more than sufficient for what you need. And so I highly encourage you to look into taking these appropriate steps, audio first, then video, then going live with that audio and video. Uh, I even know of one church, uh, one pastor who's taken this so seriously. He's not, he, he wants to have quality church online. He wants to provide a quality church online experience for his viewers. But at the same time, he's not confident in the way they're set up in their actual sanctuary to do this. So what he does, they're a smaller church. He only has, and they're only having one weekend service right now. And so what he does is he actually treats his church online as a second service. He's not going live, but he is going, he's, he's, uh, and I, can't, I don't know what order he's doing it in. I don't know if he's doing the, the live first or preaching to his, his in-person audience first or going to the camera, whatever it is, but he's preaching, he's teaching it. He's treating it rather as a second uh, service and he's actually addressing the camera. And there's a lot of benefits to this because now uh, you can maybe even address your online audience in ways that you can't address your, that you couldn't if you were just there with your live audience. Again, it's completely your call, but just don't fall for the myth of live stream. Just because live stream is possible and doable doesn't mean you have to and doesn't even mean that you need to. You can put quality audio, audio first, then video, you can put that out there, pre-record it, simulate it live if you want, and provide a better church online experience than most churches are with live stream. So that's my uh, note about live stream. The last extra uh, bell and whistle to consider uh, is the mobile app. Um, now, this falls in the same category as live streaming. If you want to create a app uh, that is both aesthetically pleasing and practically functional, it actually requires a really big investment. In fact, the average corporation spends anywhere from 50000 to half a million dollars uh, to, um, to, to develop their app. And obviously, there's a lot of different variables and factors. Uh, and so it's a really, to do it right, it's an incredible investment. Uh, Apple's App Store, not to mention, has a, a ton of regulations when it comes to publishing apps. And they're obviously the biggest app platform out there. So they can make it really difficult. Um, and yeah, yeah, there are um, these app templates out there and these kind of uh, services that offer, uh, you know, that advertises a drag and drop type of app service. But uh, really, they're kind of clunky at best in my experience. Um, getting a good church app um, might be affordable, more affordable and accessible in the future, but we're just not there yet. And I know there's apps available through different, you know, external services like a, um, you know, some giving platforms offer it, you know, some type of app. I'm not saying don't take advantage of some of those things, but by and large, mobile app doesn't need to be your priority because to do it right, an actual standalone mobile app for your church takes a lot of uh, resource, a lot of time. And it's for most churches, it's just not worth it. So instead, I recommend that you prioritize a couple of areas. First, going back to having a mobile-friendly website. We already discussed that. 
But again, this is why it's so much, it's so important to have a website that is mobile friendly uh, because then it's kind of like, okay, well, do I really need an app? Because, hey, my website works great on mobile. Uh, and then uh, this is another reason you want to try to strengthen your social media presence uh, because then you can take advantage of the mobile and social media apps that are already being used every day uh, to connect with people. People are already there. You don't have to convince them to download one more app. They're already on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, um, and then you can tap into their features of these apps, such as you know push notifications um, that can engage the mobile users. You know if, if they follow you, they they could get push notifications whenever you put out updates. And so uh, this is a way to keep people engaged on mobile without having a mobile app. So. Uh, that now I know I said there was the last thing. There's one more thing I did want to touch in because it kind of integrates, could potentially integrate with the mobile app or website. That's login portals. Uh, to keep it simple, uh, only offer this if you want, if you know what you're doing, uh, and if you're using a church management software that offers it. Uh, either way, it doesn't need to be a dominant element of your site. It needs to be something on the bottom uh, footer menu. If you say, well, why would I need that? Then leave it at that. You probably don't. Uh, so, and then everything else, uh, there's really no limit to what you can do with the website and the power of the internet, whatever ideas you have for your website, you need to ask yourself these three important questions before implementing it. The first question is this, would this content fit into a section or page that I already have on my website? Okay, so uh, a lot of this goes back to the connect page. Okay, a lot of things that you want to do, I, I, I'm ninety percent sure you could plug it into the connect page somewhere. So, oh, I have this new uh, uh, ministry that uh, we're launching. Okay, uh, there, make it part of the connect page. Oh, we have we have this new activity or we're going to offer. Okay, boom, connect page. There, there it goes. It's there. It's ready to go. Um, oh, we just came up with this new, um, you know, this new uh, small group or whatever. Well, boom fits right into the connect page. So a lot of times you already have a place on your website for it that is um, that might be appropriate. Uh, so ask yourself that question. Do I already have a place where it goes? And a lot of times the answer is yes. Uh, the second thing is, will this idea complement the purpose of my website and uh, my church, uh, you know, as far as my church's mission as a whole? Uh, so again, uh, your mission for your church is, is uh, unique to your church, but overall the mission of your website is similar. And that is you're trying to appeal and reach those first time visitors. So you always have to keep that in mind. If, 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 it, if that's going to, if what you're thinking about adding is going to compromise that, then just don't do it. Because here's the thing, going back to picking on blogs again, if you have a blog and you started it and you only put out two or three posts and then you left it dead. And the last time that your blog displays, the last post that you updated was in 2012. Well, when somebody goes to your website and they happen to stumble upon your blog page, they might think, oh, well, they never update their blog. Hmm. Do they really Do they really care? Do they really do much of their church? I wonder when the last time they updated their church or did anything new to church. All these thoughts can flush through people's uh, heads and, and this, this subliminal communication. And so uh, you have to keep that in mind. Will this complement the purpose of my website? Will it help? Will it hurt? You have to ask this question. And the last question, uh, and this is a big one. Am I willing to commit the time, energy, and resource that's going to be required to effectively and excellently maintain this aspect of my website? So we talk about, again, I'm picking on blogs. 
um, uh, mobile apps, uh, all of these these different things, they require your attention. And websites in general, they require regular maintenance. If you're not doing something weekly to you know update your website, whether that's add the latest sermon or you know just make sure you're not uh, keeping your events pay, keeping the you know if you do have events featured on your website, making sure they're current. Uh, I wonder right now, just a side note, I wonder how many uh, churches out there still church websites out there are still featuring Easter. I wonder. I bet quite a few more than we'd like to admit. Uh, and, and that seems to be a, a big thing is, is, hey, you get something on the website and then you forget to update it. I've done it. I've been guilty of it with my own websites. Uh, but it's something that you have to be willing to maintain. You can never create a website or a feature or a section of a website that you aren't willing to maintain forever. Your website is an eternal commitment, really, uh, when it comes down to it. As long as you are, uh, if you are the web guy at your church, uh, and that's your responsibility, whether you're the lead pastor, an assistant pastor, a volunteer, doesn't matter. If you are the person that is managing the website, you have a forever commitment. As long as you're involved with that church, you will have to update that website. And as long as that church has that website, somebody at that church will have to update that website in order for it to be effective. So never, ever create a website or part of a website that you aren't willing to maintain forever. I hope you have enjoyed and that this has brought you some value, this this content, this coaching series about making the most of your website. And if you did find value in it, then I first hope that you'll share it with someone else. Uh, and I do want to say this. If you want to take it to the next level, if you what you've learned here you find valuable and you say, yeah, I want to do more with this, then I want to help you. Uh, I want to help you take it to the next level by offering you a completely free website audit with me where I'm going to go through and I'm going to look at your website and I'm going to uh, uh, walk through it with you live in real time and uh, tell you uh, what I think, first impressions, uh, things that you can change, things you can tweak, and so on and so forth. And this is uh, something what we're offering completely free. Once again, this is accessed at churchmediahq.com slash web. Any of the resources that we've talked about about websites is going to be featured here at churchmediahq.com slash web. Well, thanks again for joining us for this episode of Church Media HQ. If you haven't yet, I hope you will subscribe wherever you are listening to podcasts. And I do want to uh, challenge you. I hope that you found this content valuable. If you have, then share it with another church leader uh, so that they can be helped as well. Something as simple as just liking and sharing a video on YouTube and Facebook can actually go a long way way. So I thank you in advance for liking and sharing and helping this content get seen by others like you. Church Media HQ is a production of the Must Increase Network. The show is edited and produced by Bo Snyder. Executive producer and host is myself, Luke Clayton. And until next time, I want to remind you, whether it's with your website or with something else, it's time for you to try something new. Why? Well, because it is so much better to fail at trying the incredible than to succeed at doing the average. We'll see you next time here on Church Media HQ.